It was all a pipe dream Watching body boarding up on TV Deep at reef watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe Buying Riptide Eating shit pies Alright G'day and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 35 of our Verbal Journaling And I'm your host Luke O'Connor well, ladies and gents, this is recorded on the eve of the NMD pool party. Um, you know, pretty amped to go on that. And I thought I'd just throw that in before I introduce the guest because I've been wetting my little panties all week long to get down there in offshore conditions. But back to our guest. Um, he is, you know, proclaimed as one of the nicest men in bodyboarding. When I was doing some research on this fella, I was just like, no one's got a bad word to say about this bloke. He's just outgoing. He's done so many cool things for the sport. He lives and breathes bodyboarding. He's been a huge part and stakeholder in the um, ABA and all the local grassroots bodyboarding that's happened here in this beautiful sunburnt country. He now resides down in Victoria with his beautiful family, managing properties and um, just living the good life. I'm talking to Benny O'Bourne. How are you, mate? G'day, Luke. I'm really good, mate. Thanks uh, so much for having me on the podcast. Um, I think every guest says the same thing uh, with your introductions, mate. They're they're so positively geared, and it um, I guess it really just sets the the tone for the conversations, mate. So, um, mate, really looking forward to having a chat, and um, yeah, looking um, looking forward to I guess what what's coming in the next couple of years as well with bodyboarding. There's so many great things. Um, in, in the pipe works, um, I guess probably the first thing I really touch base on is what the two Elliots are doing with, with Riptide uh, Premium. Um, I've been pretty lucky to know both of those guys since they were, yeah, still popping pimples on their face um, <laughs> out of Kingscliff and, yeah, you know, you know showing, um, showing some of the, uh, I guess, the OG core lords out at Kingy Reef who are, uh, Who's boss for the future? <laughs> oh, mate, the the fellas are gonna love you saying that. That's one of their um one of their local haunts, eh? And and God, they surf it well. And kind of, you know, in the last three or four years, much to their probably dismay, that they've kind of um, made the rest of Australia notice it. And obviously, the really good boogs and local guys have known it's been there for ages. But man, when the sand's right out there, that's a that's a wave, eh? Benny? Fuck, I just lost your brother. Did you maybe exit out of something or? No, mate. I haven't touched a damn thing. You are back. back. Yeah, sorry. I was speaking about um, Kingy Reef. And, you know, for everyone out there, they're probably used to our interruptions every now and again. We are using an app that does create a digital audio file across various parts of the world. So I know Benny's still in Australia, but the distances and, and whatever with Wi-Fi and the state and the cost, mate, of it, you know, we, we've got some of the worst Wi-Fi in the world. I, I keep saying this. We've got better, uh, supposed to be Kenya and parts of, of Africa and South America that are deemed as third world have better Wi-Fi than us. So, yeah, I won't ramble anymore. Um, back to the Back to the reef. Have you had much time out there? Um, yeah, I, I, I spent a fair bit of time, I'll be perfectly honest. Generally, it was at the rear end of the pecking order. Um, I guess during my tenure 
uh, living up uh, in Queensland slash northern New South Wales. Uh, the guys that were sitting right at the top during that time were like Greg Deeth, the Ormerod brothers, um, Byron Namanyai, uh, Lackey, and then behind them you had Joe um, and, you know, Ash Bryant, um, Liam O'Toole. Um, the roll goes then, on. And then, yeah, you obviously had the, the new crew. Um, yeah, Elliot. Uh, the Hinchliffs, um, Elliot number two. Yeah, and, and, and somehow I was, yeah, all, always right at the very, very end. Um, I, I would just get the, the, the rare scraps that might come through. Oh, I don't know about that. Speaking to Elliot earlier in the week, he said you definitely have had your fair share of kegs out there. But, Benny, where, where did bodyboarding all start for you, mate? You know, you've obviously been so heavily involved in the grassroots bodyboarding here in Australia, and you've also done some amazing things around the world. And, you know, the compliment you gave me at the start of this podcast in regards to being positive, I could only shine shine that straight back on you because, you know, as as I said, you're you're so outgoing, you've got a thirst for the sport and you want it to continually, you know, rise up out of the ashes, so to speak. So where were your beginnings in bodyboarding and, you know, kind of where's the timeline taking you? Yeah, so I'm obviously born and bred in Victoria. I grew up in a little country town. It's about an hour from the closest coastline. Uh, in saying that, my my family was pretty lucky. We had a, a holiday house down in this little place called Point Lonsdale, which is on the kind of western tip of Port Phillip Bay, um, pretty much opposite Point Nepean on the Mornington Peninsula. Um, so every, every kind of Christmas, we'd go down there with our extended family and, you know, like everyone has, you know, they have a bodyboard. So when there's waves, you go surfing. Um, you know, when I was really young, I was probably more aimed at progressing into stand-up surfing. But um, I guess what, you know, took me back to bodyboarding is is a bit of a funny story. My, my brother and I, we actually saved up our, our pocket money one year and we bought like an old um, single fin 6.6, six, um, you know, proper fluoro surfboard from a, a farm clearance sale and we took it down to Point Lonsdale at Christmas and, you know, taught ourselves to, to surf. And uh, my mum, God bless her, Cotton Socks, who is the most protective mother on this planet, um, <laughs> you know, saw my, saw my brother wipe out one day. You know, you wipe out. That's what happens. Like it was nothing serious, but she saw that as a danger sign and within a week she'd, uh, she'd sold our surfboard. So it was like, okay, guess we're bodyboarding. And um, it wow. stuck from there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, obviously loved it from such a young age. In saying that, there wasn't much of a bodyboarding scene available to me as a young kid, again, growing up in a small country um, town. I guess what was really pushed on to me as a child was cricket and football, um, like all kind of country towns in Victoria. Uh, and I absolutely love cricket. I come from a very strong uh, cricketing family. My dad is one of my biggest heroes and he has pretty much carved his entire life around cricket. Um, my parents lived over in England in the seventies. He played a lot of representative cricket over there. They came wow. back to Australia, had, um, had my brother and I, um, yeah. So I played a lot of cricket growing up. Um, were you a batter bowler? Like, you know, were you a wiki? What, what was the guy? What was yeah. your special? So I, I came up in a in a family of, of wicket keepers. Um, 
yeah, I, and that's probably due to our, the lack of our vertical height. Um, so my dad was an incredible wicketkeeper. My brother was also an incredible wicketkeeper. Um, I've tried to follow in their footsteps. The problem was got to a stage in my life where I started playing in the same teams as my dad and, and my brother. So obviously you can only have one wicketkeeper and I definitely wasn't a top-end batsman. So um, I decided to become a bowler. And to yeah, for a short guy, I was actually pretty handy. So um, nothing, well, you know, nothing serious, but all just kind of medium pace, line and length. But um, I had a really good bowling coach and um, he taught me how to bowl like really kind of tight seam bounces. So I guess uh, opening batsmen don't really expect to get a short ball to the chin from a short guy. So Yeah, but also too, like I, I love my cricket as, as maybe not as much as you, Benny, but I definitely love cricket. And I'm happy to sit there and watch five days of a test straight through and I don't even have to have beer or any substances to get me through that but like you know when I used to play cricket and when I'd see someone short or smaller coming into bowl I mean you only have to look at say like an old English bowler named Darren Darren Goff like when he would come in one of my heroes Bro, and so good because he was the he was the you know on the shorter end of the scale. He wasn't the towering West Indians bowler that you know is the curly Ambrose or whatever was coming in and six six and really steeple bounce. It was that skiddy bounce that would 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 you you wouldn't know if you're ducking, you wouldn't know if you were you know playing it around like your chest, or then the one that's going to rise on you, and then the ones with those skiddy kind of actions, they hurry you up so quickly. And a normal like say. 120k ball feels like it's a lot heavier and kind of hits the bat at 130. That was my kind of take uh, out of it. He, so, was, yeah. uh, he, he was frightening to watch. Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. He, and he was a good competitor too, man. Like he loved getting into the Australian boys. I think that was one of his his best traits, you know. But um, I guess, yeah, getting getting back to, to my dad, um, he, yeah, still to this day is heavily involved in um, cricket all throughout Victoria. He's actually just recently been recognised for 50 years of service to cricket Victoria, uh, to wow. Southwestern Country Week cricket, and also 52 years of service to his local cricket club, which is pretty incredible. I uh, I had the humble honour of making a speech on, on behalf of my family a few months back at his testimonial, um, which I put probably a little bit too much effort into I uh I, I got really really personal and um I, I struggled to actually get through the speech in front of about 150 people it, it was kind of weird like he was sitting there right next to me but telling telling 150 people how um how much your dad means to you is um a really hard thing to do and um yeah I, I pretty much didn't get through to the end of my speech I I broke down <laughs> Yeah, that also shows how much one you love your dad and one you love what he's done. So you know, with oh, absolutely, yeah, and with the um, like the cricket and the footy, the the footy background, I you know, obviously that's a huge thing in um any sort of country town. But how did you how did you push past that, or or how did you still enjoy it whilst you know exploring bodyboarding and the the water side? Yeah, well, yeah. So I guess you know, finished high school. Um, I moved straight out of our hometown pretty much the day of my final exam. I moved to a town called Geelong, which is obviously um, just far enough away from my hometown and, and not that far from the ocean. Um, and, yeah, obviously started bodyboarding a lot more, but 
by myself um, and then trying to kind of get into that um, environment down in Torquay. As everyone knows, it's, you know, one of the surfing capitals of the world. It's it's pretty hard. Um, so on top of that, I wasn't really enjoying Geelong. So I just made the conscious decision in, I think, 2003 to just uh, – pack up my life and move to the Gold Coast. So Wow, what a big moment. And what challenges were you faced with then, you know, like packing up your whole life, obviously going from one surfing community that's very stoic and has a huge history and then up to the Gold Coast, which has also got, you know, like a, a long line of history, but more of a new kind of buzzing kind of environment for um, bodyboarding. Like how did you, you feel the change? Um, I Obviously, incredibly overwhelming. I remember trying to, you know, paddle out at D-Bar for the first time, not knowing a single person. And, yeah, I mean, it's a beachy at the end of the day and, you know, the more time you spend it at a place like D-Bar, you really get to understand how the place works. But, mate, I was just a needle in a haystack. I, I think that entire session I didn't get a wave. But what I took away from it was just how much potential, um, you know, the wave had, but how much potential bodyboarding had on the Gold Coast, um, you know, compared to some of the other, I guess, world-famous waves on the Goldie, such as Snapper, Kira, Burley Point. Um, D-Bar was just this this amphitheatre slash breeding ground for, for hands down the best bodyboarders, you know, in Queensland. It was, it was, it was mind-boggling. If not almost Australia, because really there was a stage there where, you know, you're talking about the Joe Clarks and Nick Ormerods and you're up the road at the sunny coast, you've obviously got all the vision fellas and, you know, um, you could name so many people from that coastal strip there, like what you're referring to as you know, the Gold Coast, but like even stretching out two hours north or south, that uh, those waves there and that hard-pressed sand in, really did oh. lend itself to bodyboarding and raise the level like massively. Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, I obviously had a lot of catching up to do and, um, yeah, I guess I was pretty lucky to – I guess I'm a, I'm a pretty confident person so I, I'm generally pretty good at, you know, making introductions and, and, and creating um, friendships. But um, probably the biggest, I guess, you know, introduction into bodyboarding on a larger scale for me was when I, I met Danny Bycroft who at the time had inverted bodyboarding up on um, the Gold Coast Highway in, in, in Burley Heads. Um, and, mate, Danny, yeah, still to this day is one of my, my closest friends. Um, so, yeah, just spent quite a bit of time essentially hanging out with Danny, hanging out at his shop, going surfing with Danny. And then from there, the next um, kind of monumental moment for me was when I met Mick and Karina, who um, – as everyone knows, used to have uh, Bodyboarders Surf Co, um, which formed back in Narrabeen originally. But um, they, yeah, were in the process of opening a, a shop in Coolangatta, and uh, yeah, for some crazy reason, they they decided I was the right guy to run their shop. Um, and from there, mate, it was just nonstop bodyboarding for probably, gosh, close to ten years for me. Wow. Living and breathing, yeah. literally living and breathing. And what, what, um, what occurred during those ten years? Like you know, you've come up from Victoria. You're now on the Gold Coast. You're in the land of, uh, you know, white sandy beaches, milk and honey sort of vibes. Um, did you think that this is like this is what you wanted to do? This was this was the pathway. Um, well, a- absolutely, 
Absolutely. Honestly, like um, I felt like a rock star uh, being, you know, being behind the counter at BSC. That was, um, you know, to, to me, that was something that, you know, I'd always wanted to do from a very young age. I, I've, I'd always wanted to be involved in the sport and to, um, yeah, have the opportunity to, to run a shop and to, I guess, um, run the BSC t- team at the time. We had a, had a pretty amazing team. Um, oh, yeah, it's such also- a team. <laughs> you had um, sorry I, I, I don't want to keep interrupting there's a bit of a lag but i just wanted to name a couple you had what dave winchester chris james hugh and donahue um who else there was there was there was a couple others yeah there was lackey there was joe uh, yeah we had Kilo allen on the team for a while um oh, sick. Mate, it was just and yeah like th- those guys uh i mean yeah mick Honestly, hands down, had the best, I guess, retail team in the country, if not the world, in my eyes. And that probably sounds a bit biased, but um, yeah, I mean, if you had to put all those guys in a in a teams event against any other kind of you know shop team, no brainer. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. If there was um, legal betting agencies on bodyboarding competitions at that time, I'd, I'd be taking two to one BSC for sure. I mean, there weren't any legal ones. I think there might have been a few illegal ones, though. <laughs> well, that's even better, though, like under the table, some weird shady back room where people are exchanging money. Like, that's where you win big, Benny. Yeah, mate. Maybe, maybe you need to have a chat to Lackey. He might be able to fill you in a little bit more on that. <laughs> well, we've been chasing him. Don't worry. We really want to hear about Mexico, too, if you can like, yeah. open up. But um, that might be for another party. So, yeah, you've... um. You've 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 hit BC. You imagine one of the most successful stores in Australia, and if not the world. You know, I can just remember all the magazines. There was always two or three big BC ads in there, and always like, the top writers. So then you've then you've situated yourself there. Obviously, made some contact, and is that where your association with the ABA started? Um, yeah, but that was still a few kind of years down the track. Um, obviously, Mick and I got. Um, got pretty heavily involved with the Gold Coast Bodyboard Club. Um, we kind of took it over from Richard Gray, um, who'd been doing it for probably about 10 years. Um, Richard Gray was the dad of another talented bodyboarder called Sam, Sam Gray. Gray. Yeah, who kind of just disappeared into the uh, the ethers after a while, which is quite a shame because, man, that, that guy had some style. Like, Oh, man, I can tell you where... He ended up. I remember we um, not like he's ended up. He's, he's living an, an amazing life. But I, I remember when um, he he did kind of stop bodyboarding, and you know we always thought his style when it came to like inverts and air reverses and just his ability to read a wave was so cool. My mum, some of my good friends in the inner west of Sydney got a place at Newtown, and um, I turned up one day, and one of the housemates was. Sam Gray with Harry Dixon and a couple other really good friends, Ryan Hart and Will Liston and Kyle Buchanan. And, yeah, you could just tell that he'd be, he was done with bodyboarding at that time and he wanted a fresh start and he was on a couch in, in um, Sydney. And I was kind of awestruck at the time. I was like, wow, yeah. you know, yeah. that's bloody Sam Gray. So, yeah, sorry, yeah, um, the you took over from the father, Sam's father. Um, yeah, so we, I guess, really wanted to just make a really big kind of um difference on the gold coast um like richard was doing a, a fantastic job but he was kind of it was almost a one-man show which you know unfortunately a lot of those kind of small bodyboard clubs are it's um you know mick 
uh, Park Hill is an incredible leader and um, really good at delegating and obviously, you know, not on purpose but kind of demanded uh, respect. So a lot of people looked up to him, which meant a lot of people would, um, you know, wanted to be involved. So we, we had a really, really strong team of people um, running the, the Gold Coast Bodyboard Club, um, which meant we you know, we had a lot of funding. So we were putting a lot of money back into grassroots, um, which is so cool, man. We, we ran these really incredible kind of, you know, club trips. Um, you know, we'd, we'd essentially rent like uh, like 28-seater buses and, you know, first in best dressed, whoever wanted to get on the bus and we'd, we'd all go down to the coast for, for a long weekend and, you know, we'd have a film crew and, and a couple of still photographers. And, you know, we just wanted to, you know, get the grassroots guys, you know, a little bit of recognition because at the end of the day, who doesn't want a really good photo of themselves bodyboarding, right? Oh, for sure. I know it's not the main reason you do it, but when one pops up in front of you, like, wow, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. But, again, you know, so blessed, you know, having having D-Bar as our, as our home break for our, you know, our local club, like, I think we're running about 10 to 11 club comps per year and and you would say probably 9 to 10 of them you had good waves. So it just it really I guess all of our our, our groms and cadets they just progressed so quickly um which was amazing um and it just created this you know kind of camaraderie within the club um that just I'd never felt that before. Like, again, I'd, I'd been so heavily involved in cricket clubs before and other sporting clubs, but I just, I'd never felt that energy that, that we felt, you know, during that time at, at GCBC. And um, from there, we obviously started entering, yeah, some of our, you know, our, our club competitors into to team events. We obviously went and did a couple of Port Mac team challenges. Pretty certain we got robbed one year. <laughs> um, that's another story. Um, was such good time there, those Port Macquarie um, events. Hey, I, I was only reflecting back on them the other day and just thinking, like, you, you're right. There's so much energy uh, around those events and at that time, and I'm sure it was the same at, at um, GCBC as as you were talking about. But yeah. like, there was there was a real there was a real thirst to improve, and there was a real thirst to be the best at what you're doing where now it almost felt like to me over the last 10 years and I've felt felt folly to it also that you want to see like you're not trying and looking cool doing it but not willing to put in the time almost as an athlete it's almost like the I don't want to um, defer too too far away from the story Benny but it's almost a bit drag-esque where you know they don't really give a fuck attitude but deep down inside you do care and you want to kind of ad- admit it out there it's almost like we've been infected by that over the last five or ten years and, and now we're kind of waking up out of the psychosis and realizing that bodyboarding is a legitimate sport that should be taken seriously and you know you can have the free surfing side aspect of it of just going around to sessions and whatever and 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 chasing waves and not being so so strict with it. but when it comes to our athletes and what you're referring back to with, you know, the progression and, and people stepping up and, and wanting to improve every comp, that needs to come back. You know what I mean? So I, I think you're really onto something when you're talking about the vibe there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you hit the nail on the head. And, and I've put it down as something to discuss um, a little bit later. 
Um, but again, I, it, it really frustrates me to, to, to see a lot of people in bodyboarding with that, that attitude about what you said. It's, you know, almost trying to overemphasize, you know, to look cool rather than just to go out and actually do what you really want to do. Like body, bodyboarding doesn't have to be this, you know, it doesn't have to be an image. Like bodyboarding is bodyboarding. It's, 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 it's a method of wave riding and it, you know, you're, it's, it's not, it's full of positive energy. I, I, I can't ever take anything negative out of it. Like, and, and to me to, yeah, try and cover up something so amazing with something so dark, it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, definitely. So those, those trips were, you know, maybe they're the answer, you know, like making that community, making, making it felt like. Well, and, and mate, there is, um, there is some incredible things happening back at grassroots at the moment. Uh, I'm part of a bodyboarding representatives uh, Facebook group. And that thing is just buzzing nonstop. Like everyone that's, that's a part of that is saying so many good things and, and, and they're, they're doing so many good things at their, their own club. And, um, what we're just, I guess I'm trying to do at the moment is just trying to figure out, you know, how to harness all of that energy and bring it all back into one circle. Um, I guess there's that, that old analogy, like too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Just, just need to kind of, scale things back and, and find the right people to, yeah, do the right things. Um, obviously, yeah, bodyboarding's had a very uh, roller coaster history of, you know, of great things happening and then bad things happening. And we've just got to figure out the, the best way to make it streamline, I think. And also to just piss the water off underneath the bridge, you know, like. Oh, absolutely. Like, like, we all hold on to things and it's only human nature to, to yep. hold on to um, grudges, yep. so to speak. But, like, that's not what the sports need needs at the moment. You know, the egos need to get pushed aside. The people that were in power positions beforehand that are doing their, not power positions, but positions of con- control and, and leadership, you know, they were trying to do their best with what was given at the time and the situation. Absolutely, 100%. You know what I mean? So now when... You know, you look back on it, yeah, there's always things you can improve, but fuck, man, I could improve things I do in my daily life every day, you know what I mean? Like there's always things that can be done better. So I think we just need to get off the, the uh, you know, the soapbox, so to speak, and be like, yeah, it's all good. That stuff happened in the past. There's some really cool things. So now let's improve on it and just leapfrog into the future. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, I, I guess to get back to the ABA, um, mate, yeah, that we we obviously started that back in, I think two thousand and fourteen. Um, I was kind of approached by another really good friend of mine, Nick Chandler, uh, who's from Sydney. Nick was um, and still is involved in the Sydney Bodyboard Club. Um, Nick's a pretty decorated businessman. He runs his own kind of HR consultancy company. But um, yeah, he obviously he knew Mick and had known Mick for a very long time and. Yeah, I think that obviously had plenty of conversations and then brought me into the conversation. And then from there, we kind of created just a, a proposal and a very short business plan that we presented to the IBAA um, committee down at, I think it was Kiama. There was the Nationals down there, um, might have been 2013. And um, 
I think everyone, you know, is aware that what was going on with the IBA at that time. Um, so essentially, we just suggested that maybe it was time to kind of go in a different direction. Well, based on enough, the I, I yeah. don't want to stop you there, but I, I would like to, if possible, to just elaborate a little bit on what was happening with the IBA at that time. Yeah, so I guess there were some serious financial issues with with the IBA, uh, and obviously the IBAA was a subsidy of that. Essentially, you know, under a big pyramid, you had the IB, um, IBA USA, IBA SA, etc. But because the IBA had essentially collapsed, from a, a business standpoint, it didn't really make sense to try and go out and promote a subsidy that didn't have a governing body or a, a governing body that had essentially gone belly up. Um, so in the beginning, we, we were kind of just, um, you know, suggesting a name change just to try and, you know, clear the air and and, and just get back to, to business as usual. Um, unfortunately, we, yeah, look, we ruffled a few feathers in, in that proposal meeting and that wasn't our intention. Um yeah, but essentially in, in 2014, we, we, we kicked off the, the ABA tour. Um, and look, we had a really good team of staff. Uh, we had some really good rider representatives, um, which we saw as being really, really important because, you know, you want the riding community to, to buy into what you're, you're trying to do. Um, we, we set up some obviously core values for our business model, um, something that I still strive to do in everything I do in bodyboarding. Um, the, the biggest one for, for me, and, and it's kind of what I'm working on with my, I guess, my future project is the, the biggest thing that's missing in Australian bodyboarding um, or, or bodyboarding worldwide, um, you know, to be exact, is that there really isn't a clear pathway for success through competitive bodyboarding. There's all of these different, you know, tours or events, but there's no structure from from A to Z. Um, obviously, I don't I don't like comparing bodyboarding to surfing because they are two completely different sports. But in saying that, the the structure of, of how those sports operate are very similar. Um, and if you do look at the the WSL and Surfing Australia. And, and how they structure their business, that is actually what bodyboarding needs. It needs structure. It needs your pretty much bottom base level grass roots club events. Um, that, that's where you need to start. And if you want, you know, if you have the ambition to, to go up the ranks and you want to surf at, state level and then you want to surf at national level and then you want to surf on an amateur tour and then from an amateur tour go to a professional world tour you need to go through those ranks um you know we even found it really hard with the aba because you know we were a small business and obviously every dollar um made a difference um but what we were really trying to achieve is that we we wanted we wanted our seatings to be made up of essentially the best 32 riders that had actually worked their way up from grassroots level. Um, again, like I said, that was really, really hard because the structure wasn't really there and um, Surfing Australia at the time weren't really willing to to do anything with us. Um, they kind of said, oh, you guys are doing your own thing. We're going to keep running the Nationals. So that's it. Um, mm, yeah, so the first, 
It was. It was a real big shame. So, look, the first year for us, um, yeah, it was kind of a just an open entry event. Um, we had some really, really good, um, I guess, investors in the the ABA at that that stage, um, which allowed us to, yeah, throw some pretty solid prize money around, um, which, again, is really, really important um, because, you know, we're trying to promote athletes and athletes deserve to be paid. Um, and a lot of that, from a competitive standpoint, does come from prize money. Um, yeah, you know, because, you know, we're not – that these these athletes aren't um, full-time athletes. Uh, a majority of them have, yeah, full-time jobs or multiple part-time jobs. Some of them are studying. Um, so, yeah, you need to be able to essentially dangle that carrot to make it worth their while to, A, get to those events and, B, you know, go, okay, wow, I did really well in that event and, you know, I made some some good money, which, you know, sure. encourages them to continue on. Um, and when you go back to the WSL and the grassroots, um, you know, systems you were just speaking about, surfing Australia, surfing New South Wales, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I've had a lot to do with surfing New South Wales when I came back from travelling and before I left um, in my, like, mid to late 20s, I did a lot of work with them on and off for probably five or six years and that was the one thing that I really did notice that bodyboarding did not have and still does not have is the ability for even, like, a board riders club, you know, in Cronulla, where I'm from, there's... Yep. Five or six board riders club, you know they go all because the stretch of beach is so long, and then you've got different little reefs and rocky outcrops. They've all got their zone. So then, those clubs battle it off in a local board riders event that then sends them into, you know, a regional event, and then sends you in a state event, and then you can get to the national event. And even that, just in a board rider sense, in a community sense of coming together, yeah, like it's a event, yeah, yeah, you know. And then there, there we have it. You've got already some ambition you've already got a bit of direction and that's just in a bit of fun for bragging rights on who's the best board riders club that's not even an individual athlete and man i'm talking when i was working with those surf new south wales comps i could not believe on a grom level like i'm talking six or eight year olds in the water they were getting like you know we we would we we would commentate on the beach and and we would do interviews after you you could see they were getting like sponsor prize packets they were getting athletes to come down and do sessions with them there was all these activations like with Javianas or with um you know like nike or not 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 nike that's too big but you know a a a good brand that would would then prick people's ears up so to speak and be like oh you've got this brand sponsoring this and that's the prize at the end and this is a grom comp with six-year-olds in it and then can you imagine what it's going to be like when you get to 14 and then when you get to 18 and then you watch them all get on you know the wsl and you just see how they've gone through this this it's 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 almost like schooling and then they're at the top and they know how to act as a professional athlete instead of you know, rocking up to a comp, letting their skill take care of the win, but then not knowing where to direct their energy and make their career a successful one. Yeah, exactly. And, and mate, I, I guess I probably did some similar stuff to you. Like I, I did a lot of contract event management work with Surfing Queensland, so got to see oh, exactly wow. what, you also, what you saw. So, um, But, yeah, look, mate, the, the ABA for me was, yeah, in, incredible. Um I honestly, I don't have one bad thing to say about it. Um, it was a lot of work. Um, yeah, and obviously as each year by it became, 
harder and harder to, you know, keep funding the tour. Um, that was obviously a, you know, a challenge. Um, again, none of the people involved with it with the ABA, you know, come from a, a marketing or a investment background. So a lot of us were just kind of winging it based on the experience we'd had at like lower level investment. Um, and but in saying that, you know, the, the the people that backed us from from start to finish. Um, some of the, the the greatest people that I know, um, even to this day, um, you know, from a bodyboarding um, standpoint, um, we were really, really lucky to to have great um, relationships with with Toby Player uh, and especially Benny Wells. Um, but then there were yeah, a whole bunch of other guys throughout the years that that stepped up to the plate and um, you know put their business behind the event. Um, yeah, which was great, um, and, and and obviously, yeah. What was about Toby with Bodyboarding King and, and all that kind of stuff? Was, was, was yeah, absolutely, great? yeah, yeah. They, um, the the retailers kind of um, led the charge with, um, with from an investment standpoint. Uh, obviously, BSC was huge as well before before their eventual demise. Um, but yeah, it, you know, we, we had good shop support over in WA. South uh, Oz was unfortunately always a bit of a, a challenging one, but um, in, in saying that, mate, like when you when you look at the whole tour, mate, we ran some incredible events at some incredible wave locations, and you know the highlight for me was was getting to crown like Aussie Tour champions year after year, and mate, to see how much that meant to people, um, to see the raw emotion um, that, that that come out of those guys, you know. Not only when they won a tour, but even even when they won, you know, just local events. Um, one of the most probably mind blowing ones for me was um, we actually well, we ran a few events over at Mandra in WA, and one year I can't remember what year it was. Hardy won, and you know, I mean, it's fucking Ryan Hardy, right? Like he's, <laughs> he's a god. He's he's a god. Like what what else can you say about Ryan Hardy? Um, but in saying that, you know, there was an inc- a pretty pretty star start of the lineup uh, in the event. But, you know, I didn't, you know, in my eyes, I kind of thought, well, yeah, Hardy's probably a, a good chance at winning. But long story short, he won the event. I've never seen a guy so emotional about winning an event. Like, it, it was like he'd won the World Tour, but it was just his local event. And, mate, he had tears in his eyes. He was shaking. You could see the veins popping out of his biceps as, as we were announcing him as the winner. It was just it was mind-boggling to see how much this meant to people. Um, yeah, it, it was great. Um, but, you know, another really good thing, you know, that, that I think we did incredibly well with the ABA was um, the way we created content and the way we yeah, uh, marketed. Yeah, content was so good, Benny. Yeah, the way we engaged, um, and that that you know that couldn't have been done without um, with Michael Jennings. Um, yeah, so he was looking after all the media. Yeah, mate he he was our uh, media and content um, producer for the ABA, and and same deal, mate. He was he was like all of us. We, we weren't doing it, you know, for much of a paycheck. We were essentially just doing it because we absolutely loved it. Um, and mate, he is a uh, He's a freaking genius. Like he, he really is. Um, 
His his work ethic is is some of the you know <laughs> the the biggest work ethic I've I've ever seen um, with with someone that, that that works in production. Like he just he does everything. It's and he doesn't stop. It's it's he's just he's going and he's he's constantly trying to help people. Um, you know, do better in what they do as well. Um, like I, I was, you know, before I was um, involved in the ABA, you know, I'd, I'd never done anything in front of a camera. Um, but, yeah, Jennings just, you know, providing me with so much coaching and support um, and, and gave me the confidence to actually stand in front of a camera and, and be the representative for the ABA. Um, and, and, you know, now that's something I really enjoy doing. And, um, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't have been able to do it without... With MJ, he's a like I said, he's a an absolute legend, and um, mate, some of the work he does outside of biting is, you know, outside of bodybuilding is incredible, mate. Really is. Well, I was, I was even going to say then, you know, the, the work he did on, you know, producing the um, three high profile gentlemen over in WA, the three amigos, you know, like that's just. Oh, that's, I think that's Tom. Gen- that's Tom Jennings. Oh no, I'm getting it mixed up here. Sorry, sorry, Michael. Sorry, sorry, no, sorry. Right. So Michael, um, <laughs> Michael, Michael also does all the the content for for Nomad and, and limited edition. So oh, he, sweet, yeah, 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 yeah. Does all the stuff for 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 the current team and, and the guys in the past. Well, even back on those videos, Benny, like you know, um, put aside like yeah. the. The, 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 the misconception of, of, the, of the person, man, like when, when you look back on the quality of those videos, like, you know, I guess Instagram and social media these days have probably kind of um, smothered our minds when, when it comes to content and we just see so much of it, nothing really grasps us anymore. But I remember um, always going back over YouTube and watching the wrap-ups of those comps, you know what I mean? Because you didn't have the the live updates so much to speak. You had the Facebook and I know there were live feeds at times, but, you know, when you have that recap at the end of the day and when it's entertaining and it shows you the drama and shows you the setup of the day, how good the waves were, like it really feels like you were there and I think that's, you know, full credit to the ABA there and, and the way they, they did do things on a shoestring budget. And to be perfectly honest, as an outsider, not knowing the inside of the association at the time, and obviously you're explaining it so well now, but I'm getting more of an insight. But, man, back then I was like, these guys are rolling in it. Like it looks so professional, all like the comps. You know, you, you're going all around Australia, you're visiting all the different states. Like it's, you know, it seemed like it was just booming along. But that's probably me being naive to and not as – understanding of the of the industry at the time and where it was financially but man like it looks smick oh mate look and, and it was it really was um but like i said that that that's due credit to, to all of the guys that were involved um i mean craig haddon was our um love head, craig head and uh contest director like the, the admin stuff he did like god bless his cotton socks love haddo um again nick um yeah, was kind of the, the leader. He just pretty much told us all what to do. Um, my, my role was a bit of everything, but I loved it, man. Like the, essentially I was kind of like the, you know, the, the operations manager on the, on the ground. So first to arrive, last to leave, um, you, know, you know, running around with power tools, setting up media backdrops, um, making sure everything, you know, ran in accordance with the, guidelines from council 
just just making sure everything and everyone else was was good to go. But um, man, I was generally you know, sweaty. Sun came up, but it was good. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you killed it. And I was only thinking about the council regulations and all the stuff you would have had to to put in for with the Minamara Mystics comp and even just getting down there on the beach with all the gear. Like, was it was it a bit of a mission, you know, because you ran so many good comps there and they were, you know, Mystics is an unbelievable amphitheater. When you walk down those two trails and meet at the bottom, like you can see why bodyboarding, you know, really um, thrives there. But, man, like to get down there, even with your own gear is a mission, let alone <laughs> speakers, judging yeah, tents, you know. Yeah. So we, we, we'd have a four-wheel drive. Um, that would pretty much do a run, obviously, further down the beach and bring stuff up. But, um, mate, I would pretty much do probably 10 to 15 laps up and down the stairs just to get all the stuff down before, you know, in the in the pitch black, just so we had everything at first light and start setting up. Did you ever measure your VO2 max or your, your, no. your heart rate at the time? Or what were you pushing? No. That's oh, steep, man. Yeah, I know. No, but I... I uh, I, I, I really enjoyed my coffee at that time, so that helped. <laughs> Caffeine freak, um, G up. Yeah, but I guess, um, yeah, obviously, I guess fast forward to the back end of, of when the ABA, you know, kind of wrapped things up, which was 2019, I think, uh, and that was, a, that was a really tough year for us. Um, yeah, we, we kind of lost a few more investors throughout that year. We had some... Um, a uh, bit of a run in with Surfing Queensland for the for the Gold Coast for the Choice Homes Gold Coast event, which um, man really really hurt my feelings. Um, to be perfectly honest, we essentially, you know, planned our event you know six months in advance. Uh, and for those that know Debar well, uh, geographically, it's actually not in Queensland; it's in New South Wales. Um, so we we had all our ducks in a row. Um, there was swell; it was looking great. Uh, unfortunately, our event was running at the, in the same uh, window as the Quickie Pro. Um, however, that year in particular, um, there were just giant holes around at Snapper. There was um, there were no banks whatsoever, so all of the swell that was coming around the point was actually just disappearing into these holes. So, Surfing Queensland decided they would move around the corner to D-Bar and hold their event at D-Bar up in the corner at the wall. Um, yeah, so when, when we caught wind of that, we uh, obviously reached out to them and had, I think, three meetings, like three days in a row, just to kind of say, hey, like, what's going on here? You understand, you know, we've got a permit. And in a nutshell, they're like, we don't give a shit. We're surfing Queensland. We'll do what we want, um, which... I, like I said, I found that really hurtful because that, that came from a guy that I'd, I'd worked pretty closely with for a, for a number of years at Surfing Queensland. Um, yeah, so we kind of had to just turn our backs with our tail between our legs and uh, move the event uh, across the river to uh, Fingal. Fingal. Which, yeah. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong, mate. Fingal's got great waves, but it just, it obviously just didn't, didn't do what we wanted it to do and it um yeah and it's also the location man like Fingal is an amazing wave and you know the pier out there or the the, the sand spit so to speak and the way it all you know bank shift around and there's some some really cool zones and you got to be driving you know back around the river you've got to come back in some some back ways it's not as accessible there's not like a 
you know, booming vibe there, so to speak. You can definitely hold a good comp there, but, you know, D-Bar's got it all. And, like... Oh, it, was just a, it was just a logistical nightmare. Um, again, we, we we were obviously doing webcast at that stage for the ABA tour, so the webcast truck was back on the gravel road, so we had to run a couple hundred metres of um, fibre optic cable from the webcast truck to our camera feeds down on the beach. Uh, we obviously had to make sure that we met all the terms and condition for the local Indigenous community, which is the Bunjalung community, I think, up there. And they're really good people. They were super supportive. But, um, yeah, it was just a head fuck, man. And, um, yeah, just disappointing. Because, and don't get me wrong, we, we still got really good waves, but um, D-Bar was firing and we, we just couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that and so that was one of the the last straws that broke the camel's back. Yeah, I, you know, kind of. I reckon every year up until that point, we'd we we just had, you know, everything went right for us. But then, yeah, that 2019 year, you know, things just started to kind of. I'm not going to say fall off the rails, but again, money was tighter. Um, Nick had uh, Nick Chandler had decided to step away for a year. Um, yeah, so I was just a few good men short from from getting things done, um, and it got to the end of the year. I think our final event was at um, uh, on the northern beaches, and it was firing. Um, yeah, and then what? This is a this is a tricky one to probably bring up in conversation. But um, when I say it was firing, it was like four to six foot. Um, I, mean, I remember this comp. I remember BP and Toby being there. I remember Liam Lucas yep. being there. I remember yep. watching Cramsey was there too, and it was it was good, man. Like it was, no, it was good. a good event, um, and we had a really good um, group of of women that had signed up to do the event. Um, I think we had about eight women in that event event which is you know really good like that's that's great numbers to have at a at a, at a pro-am event um but essentially some of them didn't feel comfortable in going out in those conditions and their representative i won't name names um decided to storm the tent in the middle of a live broadcast which was quite embarrassing and um demanded to to speak to me about changing the schedule um, yes, we ended up putting the event on hold for about 20 minutes while there was this um, pretty heated argument happening out, out the back um, that obviously even some of the sponsors got involved in because at the end of the day, they're putting the money on to, to run this event and all of a sudden it's not running. They want to know what's going on. Um, yeah, look, in the end, I ended up kind of just succumbing to the, the peer pressure of what was going on in that conversation and, and doing you know, doing what they wanted to do. And, look, no, I'm not I'm not sexist and I'm, I'm not discriminative in, in any way, shape or form. But, um, you know, I guess the point I was trying to get across at that time is that, you know, the, the ABA wasn't uh, a grassroots um, club tour. Um, it wasn't a state title. It wasn't a nationals event. It was, a you know, a pro-am event, you know. The idea of the ABA was to showcase the country's best bodyboarders in the best waves. And we thought we had that formula pretty well intact. Um, and, yeah, I, I was just – I felt like in that moment I was being humiliated by a, a bunch of uh, competitors. And, yeah, that 
that just it broke me to be perfectly honest um so in that moment in that moment i actually made the decision that i was going to step down so it was the last event of the year so when we were doing the prezos at the end i actually kind of i think i'm not sure who had the mic at the time whether it was ted might have been don't know can't remember but yeah they kind of just said yeah benny's done and um I think I was, but then, um, yeah, we obviously had a lot of conversations the next couple of months. And then, as you know, not that far after that, the pandemic hit. So um, we were kind of screwed anyway. We, we couldn't do anything for, for a couple of years. Um, obviously, people kept hitting us up on a weekly basis saying, when are you going to come back? Like, when's the tour kicking off? And it's like, well, we can't. Like, we physically can't travel. Like, yes, you know, people can still do grassroots clubs. Well, Queensland could. They they had the best pandemic ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, no other state in the country could actually do anything. So, um, yeah, I obviously kept the conversation going with, with Nick, um, who essentially is still the, the owner of the ABA. Um, but, yeah, you know, even when the borders opened up back up, we just we didn't really think it was the right time to – to go back into business um, solely for the fact that I guess, you know, our own personal life circumstances have had changed. Um, like yourself, mate, I've now got two beautiful children. Um, and, yeah, look, the, the, the demographic had changed a lot because um, grassroots bodyboarding grew um, tenfold during the pandemic, um, which is fantastic. Like there, there are so many events happening at the moment. It's, it's mind-boggling like um, to, to, to see how many bodyboarding events are happening. Um, but I guess what, yeah, the other reason why we haven't kicked it off is, yeah, because we've probably left it a little bit too long. Um, we decided that, yeah, maybe maybe the ABA is not the best platform to run a domestic tour again. Um, we still think it's um, got great brand value and it's obviously got a pretty strong following, but we're just trying to figure out the best way to use that moving forward. Uh, the one thing Nick and I have been talking about a lot lately is like big wave awards. So um, we're, we're, we're kind of putting a bit of a focus on maybe 2024 that the ABA kind of holds a big wave awards kind of structure, um, which I yeah, think yeah. is a really cool idea. Um, Almost like yeah, surfing like wave of the winter or something that, you know, you can yeah, look back yeah. at the awards. Absolutely. The year, like, biggest barrel, biggest air or would, would you go down that path or be more so just big waves itself uh yeah there, there'll be multiple categories um but yeah obviously some 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 key points to focus on as well as to make sure that you're supporting the the artists as well so um you know not just rewarding the the rider but rewarding the people behind the lens i think that's that's something that doesn't get um acknowledged enough in bodyboarding it does a lot in surfing but not so much in bodyboarding um, there's a lot of talented, creative people that are, yeah, you know, shooting films and taking stills, but um, yeah, just don't get the um, the recognition they deserve. And uh, as history, you know, clearly states, mate, uh, a lot of those guys end up transitioning into surfing because obviously they probably didn't get what they really wanted out of bodyboarding. Um, oh, everywhere, like look at Tim Jones, look at. Yeah. Look, even at Josh DeBone recently, man, like, you know, Josh is one of the sport's greatest assets. He has 
has the ability to craft a photo or a you know um, cinematic scene like not many other people that I know and, and even a photo he posted up today the riptide reshared of it looks like either climb a bomby or some sort of heavy wave and he's got it in black and white it's a drone shot and just the way they see things is so pure and so left to field. Um, from what anyone else is thinking, that it, it really makes a statement. And Josh is now shooting surfers almost full-time and has been for the last couple of years because yep. that's what's going to support his family. That's what's going to continually Absolutely. grow his career, you know, and, and you see it time and time again. Even like, you know, there's some local fellas around here, Sam Venn um, and Cameron Stoughton, they run their own um, wedding uh videography and photography business together they come as a package they also shoot a lot of um the amazing waves around here and continually doing worldwide trips um they used to be with bodyboarders and now it's pretty much surfers and occasionally a couple of bodyboarders i'm not saying they're they're biased in any way but they're literally just following where the money is because they need to support themselves to continue on in their life and make more beautiful yep. things so it's yeah it's it's unfortunate, man, but I couldn't agree more. It happens almost on repeat. Well, I uh, actually just went and watched uh, a surf film premiere last night in Geelong called Kamchatka by... Um, yeah, yeah. Um, which, again, another Spencer Frost and, and Guy Willamette. Um, yeah, both... Um, I'm not going to call them former bodyboarders because they, I know they still bodyboard. Um, but, yeah, obviously their, their pathway through the creative... Um, avenue is is yeah with with surfing so um and geez man that was an incredible movie by the way yeah, i would how love that movie. i would love to see more bodyboarding movies that tell a story um you know don't get me wrong everyone loves a you know a quick action edit of bodyboarding with you know good music but but films that tell a story are, are great films um one of one of the greatest kind of modern modern-ish bodyboarding films that that I, I could watch over and over again is actually Six Months, which uh, you and Donachi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I love did. that movie. Um, because it tells a story, you know. If you didn't, you know, I, I, I know Ewan, so I, I know know his background, but if you didn't know Ewan, you would by, by the end of watching that movie. And, um, oh, and the way he chases waves, man, the way he puts everything on the line. Like I can remember Ewan for five years there or maybe longer, probably was longer, he was everywhere. If, if you drew, yeah. drove down south to, to a swell in Victoria, he was there on the cliff. If you were in South Australia for a swell or, you know, it was a good time, time of year to go, he was there. He'd be in Hawaii season. He'd be over in Europe, man. Like I could not fathom how much time and effort he put into bodyboarding over those those years and it's obviously paid off now like you look at that movie it's incredible and then you even surf with him today like i only got to surf kate with him so probably about a year ago now last time i saw him um and it's always really good run into him it's very very good bloke and down to earth and always good good to have a chat but like his skill level on a boog you know after not really bodyboarding for probably a couple of months at a time and then hopping back on it and still wrangling some of the gnarly waves around. Like he's he's a bit of an unsung hero when it comes to bodyboarding because it almost you know, like, it's just he's one of the most underrated, you know, bodyboarders that I think Australia has ever actually produced. Like from for a sure. skill perspective, and look, I don't know what it was about him for for, for some reason. Um, you know, it's just he didn't get put up on the same pedestal as as some of the other people that are in that that category 
which yeah, I, I, again, mate, the industry works in mysterious ways, but um, yeah. But um, what are we talking about now? What are we, are we going on a, a bit of a, a tangent? Well, actually, uh, yeah, we we are, but it's you know that's what podcasting is all about, just yeah. putting the thoughts out there. But I wanted to um. Just with the ABA, I was I was actually on your page today or Nick's page, and I wanted to yeah. if just quickly read out um, a couple of the paragraphs of the the final sign up, if that's all right. Yeah, go for it. All right. So on the page it says in bold, ABA tour postponed for two thousand and twenty. The Australian Bodyboarding Association has elected to su- suspend the ABA Pro Tour for two thousand and twenty, with no specific tour events scheduled to run this calendar year the australian bodyboarding association is a non-profit organization run predominantly by volunteers and the organizers have decided to take a year off to recharge restructure and renegotiate for a better competitive platform in 2021 this point here is is very valid the financial viability of running a tour across such a large nation has always been a challenge for our business the aba has always budgeted to break even with all, if any, surplus revenue going directly back into improving the sport through a number of coaching and development concepts. That point, you know, that paragraph there just screams what we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes or so in relation to that grassroots and everything within the sport or the organisation going back into the sport to improve it. Um, You know, with those, with the concept of moving forward with the, the big wave awards or big airs and all the different categories. Do you, do you feel like, you know, and I, I think it's a great idea because digitally, like you can't go wrong. Everyone's, everyone's going that way. So if it, they were presented on that platform, I think it'd be very successful, but will there be any sort of, I know you and Nick aren't, aren't there right now, but anything in the future that possibly get like, you know, physical comps back on the ground? 100% mate. And I guess without, you know, talking about for the next 10 minutes um what well, again another another big problem we had with the aba is that we were a, a national entity um which made it really really hard to to gain access to any government sports funding um for yeah the, essentially the federal government don't really give out money it's only the state governments um so yeah one of the the, the things we learned from setting up the aba was yeah if we were to do it again, we wouldn't run it as a essentially a national entity. It'd be a state-based tour. So, yeah, of late, I've been talking to some really, really great people at state level um, about, yeah, potentially, you know, running a really, really good kind of event series in 2024. Um, however, it won't fall under the ABA banner. Um, the ABA will be you know, there to provide support and guidance if they need to. But essentially what what the intention is is to get each state to, to run their own big amateur event. Uh, and from there that would create the like a ranking and a, and a point system to, to then crown, um, you know, Australian champions. You can still run a tour but just not managed by a national entity. Um, yeah, so like, for example, in, in Victoria and obviously one of, you know, so much money in, in, in sport in Victoria, every, every month, the Victorian state government give out $25,000 to it, to a, you know, a sporting organization to run an event. 
Um, you know, Queensland does the same. New South Wales do the same. Like there's so much money at state level to support these these type of events um, because at the end of the day, mate, if you don't have the money, you can't run the events. Like they, you just, you know, you can't, you know, yes, you can do them on a shoestring, but, you know, it's not going to benefit anyone. Like um, one of the, the biggest things that I, I really want to see in, in moving forward in running uh, a, a tour in Australia is that I, I really want to increase the prize money. I think that's absolutely detrimental to the success of any tour because at the end of the day, these athletes need to be rewarded financially. It's it's plain and simple. Um, and and by that, like I'm talking, you know, I, I, I want first prize um, for an Opens division to be a minimum of $10,000. I know that sounds like bold thinking, but it from a state perspective, it's it's absolutely achievable. Um, but from a national perspective, impossible. And unless crazy loophole, you know what I mean? Like I I totally get what you're saying, and I can see, you know, how you've run into that roadblock. But isn't it insane that you register as a national entity, but just because you're not located within the state or the next tier down, you can't access yeah. that money. That yet you're still doing, you know possibly especially on, on ABA level bigger and far better things than the clubs that are getting those $25,000 grants that's that must be frustrating Benny yeah oh absolutely mate <laughs> like you know whenever we would you know <clears throat> submit an application or talk to someone from a funding department on behalf of the ABA you know you'd introduce yourself and you'd say hey we, we want to run this this amazing event here and they're like okay cool where are you based and you'd be like oh well, I'm in Melbourne and, um, you know, Nick's in Sydney, that, you know, all of a sudden they're like, thanks for your time, but no thanks. You'd be like, oh, right, okay, well, that sucks. And then, yeah, all of a sudden you've got to try and, yeah, you've got to try and come up with ten to $15,000, you know, some other way. Um, yeah, and look. You know what really uh, pays at the moment, you know what I mean? And and if you guys were ever thinking about going down this path and getting Tezza McKenna back, in, back involved because he's – you know, he's the silver tongue of the sport and we always want to hear him speak. But, you know, OnlyFans at the moment is just skyrocketing, Benny, and people are making bank off it. Maybe, maybe we go back to the oldest profession in the book and sex sells. Get Tezza on OnlyFans. You'll be rolling in the money, bro. He's he's lovable. Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you going public to say you want to see Terry McKenna on OnlyFans? <laughs> Mate, the weird shit that I see on the internet these days, it would be just another drop in a bucket, you know what I mean? But I'd be into it. I'd be, I'd drink out of that bucket all day long if, if Tezza was on there. Oh, mate. Uh, look, and, and Te- Tezza's another guy that's been um, a big mentor for me, um, you know, since since day one. So, yeah, mate, big big shout-out to Tezza. Um, oh, such a good bloke. Not, not, not sure about his Billy Idol experience, but, you know, that's okay. That, that works for him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, you, you sit down with Terry, especially over a beer, you are going to get some of the best one-liners you've ever heard and some of the greatest stories too. Like, he's such a yeah. decorated bloke when it comes to, you know, much like yourself and what you are saying at the start of the podcast, like, you know, having the confidence to strike up a conversation and make connections. He's another guy that, you know, is just so... Well, Tez is really, a really successful businessman. And, um, yeah, that, that's what's obviously, you know, helped him to be, you know, be all he, he has been um, and, and to, to be able to do all the, the amazing things he's done 
in bodyboarding, um, in surfing, and in media in general. Like he, he, he really, really knows how to represent himself, um, which is something that a lot of people in bodyboarding just really, really struggle to do. Um, which is sad. The problem with um, bodyboarding, Benny, and I, and I think this is what you're getting at, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, it seems to me that the point you're touching on is that we're all in a way very unique and we're almost kind of outcast in certain scenarios. Not saying that, you know, we're, 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 we're the weirdos people are pointing out the street or like whatever and casting their judgment on, but because bodyboarding is such a niche sport, it's such a centralised sport, and it's a sport where the froth and the community is so strong and powerful that, you know, you you to, to put it to put it bluntly, you kind of have a screw loose if you want to continue to bodyboard. Not in a bad way, but you're just different, you know, and you're unique, and that's what makes the sport so good. Like you look at all around the sport, and so many different people come together and love to bodyboard. They do that with surfing. They do that with kneeboarding. They do it with like whatever, but there seems to be more stereotypes in those those sports, from my view anyway. And when I look at bodyboarding, it's such an eclectic bunch that we all just get thrown in together, and we we love hanging out. We always make friends, and we, you know, it's 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 the the weird things that bring us together, but it's also the weird things that push us apart. And we're not connected in certain ways, and we and we're not connected on that business sense. You know, we don't have that backing. Look at the WSL. The only reason those guys are sitting so firmly at the top of the ratings when it comes to live broadcast for water sports is because they have a multi-millionaire supporting their organisation. I'm not saying that's the only, only reason, but it's a huge reason and it's a tax write-off and, you know, they can get the funding willy-nilly. There's Absolutely. the business ethic, you know, inside that where bodyboarding, like you were just explaining, unfortunately doesn't have that yet. And, we're such a young sport. I remind people all the time, and I've done this on, on the podcast numerous times, and I do it when I'm speaking to people. Surfing is easily over 2,000 years old, easily, like probably even more when it comes to, you know, all the Pacific Islanders and all the Chiefs and everyone out there on 12-foot males. Like that was – it was a ritual. It was a thing to do back in those times, and, and, and you were seen as a, as a god if you could ride a surfboard properly. Bodyboarding has been around for just over 50 years, man. It's It's like – it's nothing, you know, in the stretch of time. So I just think we're just in that growing period and hopefully we do get someone that comes in, you know, much like yourself with 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 that froth and that keenness but has the financial resources, almost, you know, endless, to just push it up where it needs to be. Like what you were just talking about with that big wave comp and, and going digital and, and make the prize money 50K, make it 100K, and then people can do wild and crazy things on a bodyboard and you'll see what can be achieved. Mate, and that's all it takes. It just takes one, one really good idea or one really good project to, to, I guess, gain recognition for the sport that it that it truly deserves. And um, again, mate, I've been I've been speaking to Elliot Williams nonstop about you know some some crazy ideas. And like again, it just takes it just takes one project. Um, and whether that is a whether that's a trip, whether that's an event whether that's one single move. That, that's honestly all it's going to take. But um, I hate to say it, to make that kind of thing happen, it takes money. And, and so again, we, we just talked about it. Without money, you know, without the backing of 
you know, similar to what the WSL get. We're, you know, <clears throat> we'll struggle to do these things. But in saying that, I I feel like there's so many good people in bodyboarding at the moment. And and like I said, I've I've kind of handpicked a, a bunch of people that I'm I'm kind of starting to talk to behind the scenes about how to um how to make this this tour work in in 2024. Um, look, nothing's in concrete yet, but I guess the idea and the structure is is there and and I and I think they are the people I'm talking to are definitely the right people to to make it happen in those states which is um really really exciting. Um and and what I yeah I I hope to see come out of that if you know if we we can you know make this tour work is yeah I I want to see I want to see athletes getting looked after better by their sponsors. Um and look I'm not having a dig at anyone in particular here. But, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, you've talked about it in other podcasts, mate, like there, there were riders that, you know, had $100,000 contracts from their, their board company. Um, it's, it's a harsh reality to know that um, there's none that are even close to that these days. Um, and also to touch on the point that you beautifully politically skewed around was that there yeah. is team riders at the moment with signature boards who are not getting a cent in royalties. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. you know, again, not pulling the finger and not wanting to just, you know, let, let you know, identify some people in the industry, but that is happening everywhere and it is a travesty and it's, it's the exact opposite of, of what we need. That, that sort of behavior, so <clears throat> to speak, without knowing the insides and, you know, fully having a, a full understanding of it, it just seems to me on the outside that that is, that is negative for the sport and that is not going to be productive in any way, shape or form. It's actually going to turn those athletes and those stars away from bodyboarding. Absolutely, mate. And um, look, again, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but yeah, I, I hope that, you know, the, the companies that are mistreating their, their essentially employees you know, they're, they're a business at the end of the day. If you're if you're not looking after your employee, then they're going to go somewhere else, and and so they should. But um, I, I think one thing that, that that that's that's really missing in bodyboarding as well um, that you see in pretty much every other professional sport is um, athlete management. Um, and I think there's a really really big opportunity uh, in bodyboarding. You know, if someone wants to, you know, become an athlete manager, then bodyboarding would be the perfect training ground um, because it's a it's a it's a blank canvas. Um, you know, you can create a relationship with a you know handful of riders and you know work out what their marketability is and um, yeah, potentially help them. You know, generate a revenue which hopefully will become a a livable income. And at the same time, create a, a pathway for employment for yourself. Um, have you ever thought about doing that, Benny? I, I have, but um, I, yeah, I'm, maybe ten years ago it would have been a great idea. Um, I guess, yeah, I'm a, I'm pretty tied up in what I do these days. Um, I don't think my wife would be really happy if I decided to change career paths. Um, you know, we're, <laughs> my wife and I have been working as a management couple now for for seven years. Um, yeah, I think she'd be. She'd be pretty pissed if I said I'm going to go do something else. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know what, man, if it's if it's not broken, don't fix it. And um on that, man, I just wanted to really thank you for coming on Luke's Lounge, the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast, and and um just sharing your thoughts, Benny. You know, you're obviously such a key player in the sport, especially here in Australia with all the work that you've done. You can just tell through your words that you want the best for everyone. And really, when this is not the last we've heard from you by the sounds of things, and it's, it's onwards and upwards coming for the, um, you know, into the oh, future. No, absolutely not. I think, yeah, like I said, 2024, uh, really, really hopeful that we, we can do some really good things with some um, big events on a state um basis kind of calendar um i'm really lucky at the moment i'm 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 part of bodyboarding victoria and i'm getting to yeah work with some really amazing people down here not that i'm really pulling my weight at the moment sorry boys but um you know the the bodyboarding vic team are are amazing um and yeah I've, i've got some great friends that i get to go surfing with down here um something else and yeah it's probably uh not trying to steal your own limelight here, mate, but um, yeah, me and a couple of buddies are about to start our own podcast called The Closeout. Oh, uh, epic! Yeah, so mate, um, just just trying to catch, you know, following your rankings, mate. See if we can we can catch up to the the Riptide podcast in the uh, in the podcast rankings. We'll see how oh, we go. Benny, mate, more than Mario, please. You know, like it's great. We've got the info and potty, you know, good listen to those guys. A couple of crazy views every now and again, but it's always good to hear what they're talking about. Um, you know, you've got Josh Kirkman, you've got the real deal show with Jay Real. Um, and you know, if you guys come on board and, and what's the podcast gonna be based around? Again, it's a bodyboarding podcast. Um, but yeah, I guess we've set ourselves some some pretty solid rules. Um, for the podcast, um, you know, again, to, to keep it positively geared. Um, we also want to, like you, mate, just really talk to interesting people in the sport. And, mate, I know we're a young sport. Like you said, we're only 50 years old. But, man, there's some pretty influential people that um, I think the bodyboarding world just needs to hear their stories. Epic. Yeah, no, dude, Agreed. And when are you thinking about bringing this out? Is it, are you looking to put it on most platforms, or like when can we expect this to to hit, mate? So we're we've we've scripted probably the first three or four episodes, uh, and we've got kind of a to do list of probably the first you know the following ten guests after that. Um, we're probably going to start recording, I would say, within the next month. So I guess. Mate, we'll see. Yeah, I know nothing about the production of podcasts at this point in time. Uh, mate, we've got our studio set up though, so we're we're, we're in the right direction. Um, yeah, mate. So look, hopefully not too far away. Hopefully, yeah, let's say six to eight weeks. Hopefully, we might have a first first ep go live. That's epic, man. I'll be looking out for the closeout. Don't you worry. I, I love the name too. The the closeout's gold. Oh, mate, I tell you what, it went um it, it went to vote. We um we we all had to because there, there's three guys there's myself there's Shane Britton and Chris Watson that are that are hosting the potty um yeah and we'll have like Sam Watson doing some of the production in the the background and, and Jennings will probably help out as well but um yeah we had to come up with three kind of ideas each and then yeah then we voted on each of the three ideas and then um yeah we had like holding vote at the end and it was. It's pretty stressful. <laughs> it's pretty stressful. It's like, yeah, mate. I felt like we were trying to, yeah, change the world with the name of a podcast. But yeah, but it's <laughs> important though. I'm, I'm 
glad you guys went to vote. You know, like Elliot suggested to me, and and it, and it kind of worked with Luke's Lounge. But you know, you you're so right with um, you know, making sure the name sticks and making sure it's powerful. And when you say the closeout, it's like that's all time. You know, you refer it straight back to bodyboarding. You could also refer it to another couple of the you know things in life and and absolutely the tie back, yeah. Well, that's you know I mean? important. So cool. Yeah. Mm. Well, mate, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me on. Uh, I hope I didn't take up too much of your time. Um, mate, you're doing great stuff with your potty, mate, and shout out again to the the Elliots. Like, what they're doing with Rippy is um, a breath of fresh air and, you know, those boys know that they've got my support all the way. Um, mate, if I can, I just want to give a quick shout out again to, to some of the, the great people that are that have helped me along along my journey so mate go 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 yeah to to, to mick and karina love love you both uh to mj mate you're my boy um shane and mark again um mentors and and, and best friends for shit 15 years um to benny wells um and to yeah chris and sam uh watson you guys are um yeah Love you to death, and um, yeah, thanks so much for bringing me into the the bodyboarding Vic triangle, uh, mate. There's probably 20 other people I've forgotten, but I also just want to give a shout out to um, yeah, I guess all my my close friends back over in the Cook Islands, which is my second home. Um, and yeah, any other one that's listening in some of the beautiful parts of the world that I've been so lucky to travel to through bodyboarding. Oh, man, well said, Benny, well said. Well, thank you again for coming on, dude, and um, keep well, and we'll have to catch up in the years to come and see how um, see how the goals and dreams of the bodyboarding world are continuing on. Mate, look forward to it. Thanks, mate. Lock up your daughters, because Benny Play is calling. The player wave slayers know how to party. Sit the fuck down, yeah? It's Ryan Hardy. Invert to air reverse of bombies by Rob Laurie.